Inside every person's mind are fields of dreams, floods of emotion, trains of thought, and cities of habit. The skyline of your mind will determine the skyline of your future. Romans 12 verse 2 says to be transformed by a renewing of the thinking process so that you can test drive God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. I've actually drawn a map of the mind of a Christian. At the very center of the mind is the grand central station of the will. It's where decisions are made over every thought that enters into it. These thoughts either board trains of temptation that lead to the fallen region of the mind or trains of faith that lead to the new region of the mind. The more trains that arrive at the fallen region of the mind, the stronger that region gets. But the more trains that arrive at the new region of the mind, the stronger that region gets. Let's go back to the beginning. How do you know that you've got faith? How do you know that you're saved? It's because you know that you know. When God speaks to you, he deposits a check that falls into your heart, a guarantee of things to come. And he unites two parts of your mind together as the crow flies. Initially, you knew that God was good, but it was like as a river meanders. But now it's like a laser beam has seared two parts of your mind together. You know that God is good. The more you put into action everything you've heard from God, the pathway gets wider and wider. And eventually it gets that wide that you can lay down train tracks because God's creating within you a new train of thought. Every train of thought carries building material with it. It either carries building material to the fallen part of your mind or building material to the new part of your mind. Whatever part of your mind receives the most building material, the taller and stronger it gets. There are some massive skyscrapers in the fallen part of your mind that need to be overtaken by more massive skyscrapers in the new part of your mind. We need the city of joy to be larger than the city of greed. We need the metropolis of love to be higher than the city of self-pity. The more you feed a city, the taller the skyscrapers get. And the skyline of your skyscrapers will determine the skyline of your future. In actual fact, you've got three minds. You've got the fallen mind that's full of corruption. You've got the natural mind that's full of personality, talent, instinct for survival, brokenness, and you've got the new mind within you. The thing about the natural mind is the natural mind is like a cart and it follows the horse of either the fallen mind or the new mind. In the fallen part of your mind, there's three regions. The first region on the top left-hand side of my mind map is what I call the royal cities. These are the cities of ego, the cities of self. These are the cities on the terrain called pride. And they're the strongest cities in the fallen mind. It includes the city of self-justification. It's a huge metropolis across the face of the earth today. It's fed by the city of self-pity. They're like twin cities. There's a city of self-centeredness and there's a city of self-righteousness. And these cities need to be destroyed. If you want to picture these cities as a person, they're the narcissistic you. 
inside everybody is a keeping up with the Kardashians. Inside everybody is kind of like a Simon Cowell, just somebody who's king of their own castle. And that king needs to be deposed because Christ wants to be the center of your thinking process. The second region within the fallen mind are what I call the industrial cities. These are the attitudinal cities or the moody cities. They include the city of hatred, the city of bitterness, the city of anxiety, the city of fear, and the city of depression. And just lurking in the mountain ranges, just behind these cities, is the city of heavy depression. And within a small plane trip out from that place is a little village called the village of self-harm. Mood governs your mind and we need to pull down your moodiness in order to renew your mind, in order to expand your God-given future. If these cities were a person, they'd be the moody cow cities. They'd be the city of Liam Gallagher, the city of Billie Eilish, if you get what I mean. Third region within your fallen mind are what I call historic cities. These are the classic cities of sin. You've got the city of lust. You've got the city of greed. You've got the city of deception. And these are all targeted in the book of Ephesians, and the book of Galatians, and the book of Philippians. They're the basic carnal cities within us. But don't forget, these cities are attached directly by a short air flight to the royal cities of self-justification and self-centeredness. Within the natural mind, there's four skyscrapers of personality. There's the choleric skyscraper with its catchphrase, etched across the side of the skyscraper, let's do it now. There's the melancholic skyscraper and written right across the stem of the skyscraper is let's do it right. There's the sanguine skyscraper with let's have fun doing it. And there's the phlegmatic skyscraper with let me help you do it. And each one of these skyscrapers is susceptible to fear to the fear of what other people think. Each of these skyscrapers lives on a fault line. It's the fault line of human brokenness and human weakness. You were born with a crack in the crust of the earth of your soul. It's that place that either attracts the spirit of fear coming from the fallen mind or the spirit of faith coming from the new mind. It's either led by fear or led by faith. In the new mind, I've created seven cities and they're taken from the nine fruits of the Spirit listed in the book of Galatians. The four fruits manifest on the outside of you, for example, patience and goodness, they've got to start inside of you and your mind is the connector between your inner world and your outer world. So I've created seven cities by making two of them twin cities, the twin city of patience and self-control and the twin city of kindness and gentleness. The other cities are the city of faithfulness, the city of goodness, the city of peace, the city of joy and the metropolis of love. The city of peace isn't a passive, placid city, it's a militant city. In Romans chapter 16, the Bible says that the God of peace will crush the head of Satan under your feet shortly. It's a city with soldiers surrounding it in order to protect you from the violent uprisings of fear and doubt that assault you from time to time and from season to season. 
God's desire is to protect you and keep you in perfect peace. The metropolis of love is firstly a windy city blowing back the toxins that come from the industrial cities of the fallen mind. It's blowing back the toxins of bitterness, the toxins of hate, the toxins of jealousy, and the toxins of envy. And it's filled with the clean, crisp mountain air that came from the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. The air in the windy metropolis of love comes straight from the heart of Jesus. It bears no grudges and it holds no record of wrongs and constantly believes the best. Secondly, it's a noisy city. If you open up the windows on floor 53 and look down to the ground level, you'll see marching bands everywhere. And they're celebrating not just the resurrection of Christ, but you. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you need somebody to adore you, to admire you and to affirm you on a daily basis. And that's the Father's love. This marching band is celebrating who you are and everything you're becoming. If you don't open the windows and hear the sound of celebration for the metropolis of love, you'll be too open to the opinions of people that'll make you too susceptible to rejection and fear. Finally, the city of joy is an emotional city. When Paul described the kingdom of heaven in Romans 14, he says the kingdom of heaven's not food or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Two thirds of it is described as emotional. And God doesn't want you to eliminate emotion. He wants you to dig down into your deeper emotion. There's four levels of emotion. Your first level is your volatile emotions, filled with excitement, and grief filled with infatuation and jealousy underneath that first level is your deeper level of vulnerable emotions it's your need to be valued it's your need to be accepted it's your need to be celebrated underneath those emotions are your visionary emotions and that's your need to win it's your need to achieve it's your need to be significant and underneath them are your victorious emotions these are the emotions of joy peace and righteousness every thought you get enters in to the grand central station of your will in actual fact thoughts never fly solo they always come in a pair. An observational thought always comes with a perceptive thought or a gut reaction thought. And both of these thoughts enter into the grand central station of your will in order to make a choice of where their future lies. On the Western platform, the station master of temptation is the devil and all trains are leading to the fallen mind. On the Eastern platform are trains leading to the new mind and the station master is the Holy Spirit. Classic Grand Central Station example is when you don't get an invite to a party that you ought to get an invite to. They used to be your BFFs, but now it seems like your relationship strained and has gone strangely cold. And so that thought that observation, everybody else is invited except for me, enters into Grand Central Station. But at the same time, it's accompanied by a gut reaction that maybe this is the end of the friendship, maybe this is the end of the road, maybe I'm being rejected. The station master on the Western platform agrees with you. You are being rejected. It puts out on the tannoy system, this is the end. Nobody wants you. Everybody used to like you, but now nobody wants you. 
It's tempting you to walk down the steps to the platform of emotion because there's a train leaving right now to inferiority town. It's stuck just behind the skyscraper of self-indulgence. Fairly close to that is the city called inebriation. Because God gives you a way of escape out of every single temptation, before heading down the steps to the platform of emotion, you'll hear on the other side of the platform a train arriving. It's the Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 train that says that I've begun a good work in you and I'll be faithful to complete it. It's the Psalm 23 train quickly arrives soon after that that says that I am your shepherd, that I will look after you. Though you go through the valley of rejection, I won't reject you. Your future is bigger than your past. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and say no to the temptations of emotional rejection. You'll find yourself boarding one of these trains that lead to the territory of life in all of its fullness. When you do, you're a part of rebuilding the skyline of your mind. And when you do so, God begins to open up his plans and his purposes for your world. In a lot of people's lives, the grand central station of the will has been sabotaged in favor of the enemy. There's a number of ways that you can strengthen your will. The first way is to know what you want, what you really, really want. There was a six-year-old boy walking home from school and a frog jumped onto his shoulder and said, kid, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. The kid grabbed the frog and shoved it into its back pocket. The frog squeezed out of the back pocket, jumped back on his shoulder and said, hey kid, I said, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. Immediately, the boy grabbed the frog and shoved him back into his back pocket. The frog by this stage was incredibly angry and mad and jumped back onto its shoulder and said, hey kid, I told you if you kissed me, I'd turn into a beautiful princess. Why won't you kiss me? And the boy says, because I don't want a beautiful princess. What I want is a talking frog. You need to dig down into your heart and mind to know what your purpose for living actually is. The thing about temptation is that it's short-term gains for long-term losses. The thing about what you really, really want is that it's short-term sacrifice for long-term gains. The thing about temptation is that it always says you can have it now, but in doing so, it can eliminate the goodness of God in your future. To make a choice to dig down and to do and go for what you really, really want can be one of the greatest decisions that you could ever make in your life. The second way to strengthen the grand central station of your will is through climate change. If you've got a problem with donuts, then don't live in a bedsit above a donut store. You need to change the environment in which you live. If you're an orange seed and you're planted in Iceland, there's a chance within 10 years of remaining just a single orange seed. But if that same orange seed was planted, uh, say on the outskirts of Barcelona, there's a good chance in 10 years time, you're gonna have a strong orange tree. The difference wasn't the seed, the difference was the environment. When Jesus wanted to heal Jairus' daughter, he brought in three of his disciples and shut the door to both the morning crowd and the rest of his disciples. What was he doing? Climate change. He was determining the atmospheric conditions. He was becoming an environmentalist. And sometimes 
but you need to shut the door to the voices of doubt and shut the door to environments that weaken your will and open the door to environments that strengthen your will. To spend time meditating upon the truth of God's word can be the best way to guard Grand Central Station from terrorists that want to emotionally manipulate you back to things that you know are not true and yet you find yourself not strong enough to resist. Thirdly, changing your speech is a powerful way to take command of Grand Central. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's amazing the power of our words. You can set a forest on fire with it or you can cause deserts to bloom again simply by what you declare. The fourth way to strengthen your will is to take responsibility for what goes on at Grand Central. Your will is your choice. Blame shifting makes it everybody else's choice. Victimhood makes it everybody else's choice. You've been victimized, that's absolutely true, but to take ownership of your will is the beginning of everything. There was once a dog food factory that was doing very badly in the marketplace, and so the general manager came out to the sales staff and said, what do you think's wrong? They looked at each other and they thought, we've got the best sales staff here. They looked at the marketing campaign and thought, we've actually employed the most successful marketeers in town. They looked at the production staff and realized they're the best in the business. The general manager started pulling his hair out and he asked, the sales staff, so what's wrong? There was silence in the room until one of the sales reps put his hand up and said, it's the dogs, they just won't eat the stuff. That scenario happens so often in our lives. It's time to take back personal responsibility. The last way you can strengthen Grand Central Station of the will is to shorten the time between hearing from God and doing it. There's always a lag factor in every Christian's life. The more we shorten it, the quicker we experience God's good, perfect, and pleasing will. Gaps that are too long create a doubt zone. Jesus said, if you speak to the mountain and do not doubt, what you say will come to pass. Doubt becomes the kryptonite to the superpowers of God. Every time you board the wrong train, if you look out the window, there's a yellow taxi cab of the grace of God. It says in Romans chapter two, verse number four, that God's kindness leads us to repentance. The Bible says that God's never far away from us. He's only one prayer away. He's only one arm's length away. And in this analogy, he's only just outside the trains leading to the cities in the fallen mind. God follows you throughout your fallenness. And so if you find yourself having boarded the wrong train, the best thing to do is to press the red button, wait till the train stops, get off, and get in the yellow taxi cab of kindness. It'll take you back to the Grand Central Station of the Will. In the northern part of your mind, there's an airfield with planes ready to fly. It's called the Aerodrome of Prayer. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, imaginations, machinations, and anything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Prayer is one of the weapons of warfare. We all need air cover. What these planes do is they drop bombs on the tracks that lead to the fallen mind more tracks that are bombed, less trains are able to make it to these cities, leaving these cities abandoned. Eventually, some of your cities will become ghost towns, completely and utterly unoccupied. 
Ghost Town's reminders that once there was a stronghold, but now there is no stronghold. Finally, I want to say to each one of you that you can do this. You can reduce bad habits and you can increase good habits. The power of God is for you. You have to remember there's no such thing as a leap of faith or a river dance of faith. It's just a next step, whether it be changing climatic conditions, getting rid of excuses, or stepping down onto the Eastern platform. If you do, you'll be part of the greatest redesign of the world. It's very difficult to change the way we think because we've been dealing with fears and phobias all of our lives. Jesus Christ wants to replace fear with faith. He wants to replace lies with truth. I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now to press the red button on your train and to get out and hop into the yellow taxi cab of God's kindness. It's called repentance, which just means a change of direction and a change of mind. If you can allow Jesus Christ to come into your heart, then the Holy Spirit will come into your mind to enable you to change your mind so that you can change your world. Pray this with me, sentence by sentence. Dear Lord Jesus, I have decided to take control of my will through the power of the Holy Spirit. I invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord and leader of my life. I disband in the trains of temptation and confusion and I enter in to the taxi cab of kindness. Forgive me for all of my sins and I now make Jesus Christ the Lord and leader of my life prayed that prayer sincerely, you activate the cross and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of your sins are cancelled and Jesus Christ comes to take the throne of your heart. I hope you've enjoyed this mind map allegory. I'm Dave Gilpin and I'll see you soon.